once. Once you start scouting, it's like a disease. It gets in your body. You're infected with it. You're tuned in to the Infectious Scouting Podcast with your hosts, Russell Landy and Rick Saratello. Back at it again. It's another edition of the Infectious Scouting Podcast. I am your host for today, Rick Saratello. Tell it like it is when it comes to the NFL Draft. Since 2002, it's what we do. Make sure check us out over at NFLDraftBible.com. Banging in, bopping you over the head. At NFL Draft Bible on Twitter. And of course, each and every week, I am joined by the man of the hour. He is Russell Landy, of course. Teaches the football GM and scouting course over at Sports Management Worldwide. Two decades of scouting experience, NFL, CFL, XFL. He joins us here every week. Appreciate him while you can, ladies and gentlemen. One title that I have not seen that maybe we need to add to his list is general manager and the buzz out of Montreal this morning is deafening as we welcome him into the show Russell Landy the latest rumors possibly joining the Montreal Alouettes as a GM uh I read the paper Russ the rumors are out there. We're putting you on the spot. <laughs> Welcome into the show, big dog. You are on the hot seat today, my friend. Oh, man, I tell you what, it's exciting. I mean, first and foremost, I think it's most important to uh, sort of give thanks and tell everybody how lucky I am that I actually accepted a job um, with the Calgary Stampeders to be their U.S. scout. Um, and that starts January 1st. And they were nice enough to say, hey, we've heard you might be consideration for the Alouette's general manager's job. And if that does come to fruition where they want to interview you, we're going to give you permission to do that because obviously being a GM is sort of a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, but I got to say how excited I am to be a part of the Calgary Stampeders, the winningest team really in the last decade in the CFL, a team that has just uh, sort of set the, set the pace. I mean, they've been three of the last four great cups and, um, with Coach Dickinson running the coaching staff and, and longtime um, coach and general manager John Huffnagel um, running uh, the scouting and player personnel and front office. Um, it's exciting to be a part of their organization and then to be a part of a team that uh, hopefully is going to be going back to Great Cups on a regular basis. So, you know, life couldn't be better right now. It's really all sort of flowing together, which is uh, what – Everyone would expect from anybody who spends time with Big Rick, because once you're around Big Rick, everything good happens. Well, congratulations, okay. Russ. This is great news. I'm finding out about the whole Calgary situation right now as we speak. So, I mean, this is just, uh, I'm ecstatic. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so happy. And I know you've bided your time and waited patiently for this opportunity. So, uh, we're all excited amped up and uh rooting for you here ross and uh appreciate you breaking some news here on the infectious scouting podcast and uh you know i guess our listening audience will have to just take advantage of this over the next couple of weeks hopefully we can have you on another time or two before you take over and i know you'll be a busy well, no, man the but good hey thing is i can keep doing these i can keep doing the oh, podcast this is great Oh, outstanding. Yep. See, I'm all in on this. And I, got, and I got to tell you, the thing that's amazing to me is, I mean, I've been, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but, I mean, I worked for the Rams 
when they were in L.A. and moved to St. Louis and they, and they were downtrodden and, and the worst record of the decade. Um, then I go to the Browns, and, yes, we got. I was there the one year they've gone to the playoffs since they've returned um, from infamy. But, really, they even them, they were falling apart and you being put together with sort of Band-Aids and stuff. And we busted our butt and did everything we could to turn that around. But to be able to be joining a franchise like the Calgary Stampeders, who sort of have set the mark for winning in the CFL, it's so exciting to be joining a winning franchise, not just to be part of the winning, but to get to, to work with the people that have built this winning franchise, to give me the opportunity to learn from them. I am so excited. I can't wait to get started. I'm just uh, thrilled beyond belief to uh, be a small part of a of a winning team and hope that I can contribute a little bit so that uh, the winning can continue. Well, there's no doubt in my mind, you will have a large role in their continued success. Of course, uh, a big year this past season and uh, some more cups coming to Calgary. So there you have it, folks, uh, Russell Landy uh, taking a role with the Calgary Stampeders in the mix as a GM candidate for the Montreal Alouettes. And we are privileged to be joined by him right here, right now. And uh, I'm all pumped up, ready to go. So let's dive into it, Russ. I mean, uh, you know, the uh, All-Star Game circuit just became a little bit more important for you. So who are some names this past week that jumped out to you? Well, you know, the the big thing i got to mention is that what, it, previously it was, like, sort of nice to be able to say, hey, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, the Nathan O'Rourke kid that's going to be out of your guys' game or, or the Nevin Gallimore who's going to be down at the Senior Bowl. But now it even plays a bigger, more important role because being able to see these kids that are Canadian, get to see them live, up close, I mean, it's really exciting. Um, I'd say the one guy that really jumped out to me this week when you're talking about a name is the Love Kid. I mean, this is a quarterback that sort of that in that second group. He's not not really talked about in that Joe Burrow group, the Tua group. He's sort of in that next group where people are trying to figure out, is he a legitimate high-end, top-end, first-round, like guy that goes in the first-round type quarterback, or is this more of a, a, a second- to third-round guy that we have to figure out? And I think this all-star game is really going to give us a chance to get a look at not just the athleticism. I think we all know that Love has got the athleticism. I think what teams want to see is they want to see the arm, and they want to see how he functions when he's got to play with other guys that he hasn't played with before. How does he adjust? How does he handle it? What is his, um, in terms of day-to-day, does he get better when he's playing with more talent? So he, to me, is the biggest guy of this week, really, in the, maybe in the last month, to get announced to go to one of these games. I can't wait to see how he does down in Mobile. Yeah, and, you know, Senior Bowl strategically holding back on their quarterback announcements. I had a chance to watch their selection reveal show that aired yesterday on the Move the Sticks podcast, and they had a great video show production with it all. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh I'll touch base on Nathan Work, who you mentioned too, but uh, suddenly, you know, I know they've got Jalen Hurts and Anthony Gordon from Washington State and Shea Patterson from Michigan, Steven Montez from Colorado. I would assume, Russ, they're holding out hope for Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Suddenly, yep. uh, Nathan Stanley here is kind of the odd man out uh, looking in. Uh, East-West Shrine game already with six quarterbacks. Hey, 
wink, wink, nod, nod. I mean, what's going on with Nathan Stanley? You know, I think, and it's something you and I have talked about a few times, is I don't think anybody doubts that when you talk about athleticism, arm strength, flashes of top-notch ability, that Stanley has at least the minimum prerequisites um, and probably a little bit more than minimum, obviously, in arm strength. But it's the consistency. Um, I think if you were to take a few games this year, you'd say, oh, he looks like a guy who's got a chance to be a starter in the NFL. And there were some other other games you'd say, geez, that guy doesn't even look like a guy I want as my backup. So, I mean, he's a guy that I would have thought would have been a guy that, whether it's the NFLPA or the Senior Bowl, would have gotten an opportunity just because of the sort of the intriguing quality of this kid, which is, what is he? And I think that's what people are trying to figure out is, why does a kid with this much talent, who looks so good at times, why is he not a guy that's dominant each and every game? That one, to me, is somewhat of a shocker. But I will say another guy we have to mention, I don't know how I didn't mention him, partly because we were talking Canadian League. How about the kid from Alabama? Raekwon Davis announced he's going to the Senior Bowl. I mean, that's exciting news. Yeah. We're talking about a guy that is going to be, I think, one of the top defensive linemen in the whole draft. He's going down there and basically putting himself out there saying, hey, I want to prove not that I'm just a good D-line prospect for this draft. I think he's sort of going down there saying, hey, I want to make a statement that there may be talk about Chase Young, but maybe after Chase Young, I deserve to be talked about as this number two guy. And I think that's why he's going there, because he doesn't have to go there to be a, a first-round pick, in my opinion. I think he his film sort of shows that that's where he's going to be. I think he's sort of going there to say, I want to put a stamp on this. I want to show that I don't just deserve to be in the discussion to be a first-round pick. I want to slam my hand down, and I want to say I want to be a top-ten type guy. And I, and I don't know if he will be, but I love the fact that he seems to be wanting that challenge, wanting to prove it to teams. Because to me, that's the sign of great players when – they're not afraid of competing. They're not afraid of trying to prove themselves. Yeah, both both Raekwon Davis and Terrell Lewis from Alabama going down to Mobile. And I, I That's think right. Lewis Terrell is another Lewis guy. Another one, yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I think another. he's a guy, too. That I mean, and now the one-on-one has just got a, a lot more interesting oh my to watch. That's for sure. And uh, Raekwon Davis, you know, listen, I, I don't think there's any question about the talent. That's That's – no doubt about it, first rounder on film. I think, you know, where he can kind of maybe uh, move up, I think he's probably the back half of the first round right now just because of some off-the-field stuff. And then, you know, when he gets down to Mobile, now, hey, here's an opportunity to talk to the teams before the Combine. The Combine now, the last week of February, really the first week of March. So, hey, let me go down to Alabama, talk to these guys two months ahead of time, start start, uh, making some some, – legwork and, and getting to talk to these teams and maybe uh, get get bumped up, like you said, into that top half of the first round if he can interview well. So uh, some big, big ads there with the Senior Bowl. You mentioned Nathan Rourke, uh, I think, is a guy. We really like his skill set, Russ. I, I think um, his game really is – I mean, he could go out and, and be an outstanding player up in Canada. I firmly believe that. But I think there might be – some NFL teams who fall in love with their skill set. Uh, he's mobile and agile, but, you know, he's a quarterback in the pocket first, and he can make the throws. I know he doesn't meet uh, the, the, the traditional uh, height requirements, but I think all that stuff is out the window these days. I really do. Um, so, you know, that'll be an interesting quarterback. And, and we talked about Nate Stanley. I mean, hey, uh, 
you know, we, we were anticipating a senior bowl invite for him. So, Nathan, if you're listening, hey, uh, keep a lookout for that invitation to Pasadena. We'd love to have you out at the Rose Bowl. And then, uh, you know, we did lose a running back to uh, the senior bowl, Michael Hasty from Baylor. Uh, but we picked up, you know, two for the price of one. We now have J.J. Taylor from Arizona, Brian Herrian from Georgia, who uh, was stuck behind DeAndre Swift. He was stuck behind the Holyfield guy. He was stuck behind uh, Nick Chubb. So he's never really been a feature back there. But uh, Georgia's kind of been kind of like this RBU the last couple of years, Russ. And uh, I'll tell you what, even though he didn't start at Georgia, uh, he, he would probably start for 90% of the other college football programs in the country. So uh, J.J. Taylor from Arizona, a lot of people thought he was a junior, registered junior. We found out he actually never applied for his redshirt status. So technically he is a senior and was eligible to join our game for two running back ads that we're really excited about. Oh, and I totally get it. You, you make a great point. I mean, yeah, I mean, the starter, obviously, at Georgia or the starter at an Alabama is going to get all the attention. But there are a lot of guys that play that sort of second fiddle role at running back at some of these preeminent schools. And, yeah, maybe they're not a guy that you're going to look at and say is a starter in the NFL. But in today's NFL, how many teams really use one guy and he gets 30 touches? It's rare. Most teams are given the number one guy gets maybe 16, the number two guy gets maybe 10, and even the third guy might get three or four. So this kid, the young kid's got a chance to prove himself right there in front of so many NFL scouts who are going to be there to say, hey, I can be that secondary guy. I can be a complimentary fit. I can be a guy that gets in there for maybe eight to ten touches a game, 20 to 30 snaps a game, and this is a great opportunity for him. I'm actually really excited to look at him because he's going to get more opportunity, just practice reps, than you would maybe see him down at Georgia where he's obviously the number two guy. So I, it's a great get for you guys to get him in there. It's exciting to get a chance to see him sort of step up where he's going to be the man or at least get the chance to prove he's the man out there at the NFLPA game. I'm excited about it. Yeah, we are too. I think he can really turn some heads out there. And it's it's really what our event is made for. It's designed for those players that kind of, you know, maybe didn't get a chance to lay down a lot of film and, uh, hey, let, let's just put him out there and make sure, hey, uh, you know, he was stuck behind three or four guys who went on to the NFL, never really had that opportunity. Now he will. Uh, so we're bringing that, you know, more SEC talent. We've got a lot of SEC. We've got a lot of Power 5. Uh, but we've also got a diverse roster. We got the D three O lineman from Washburn. We've got the uh, the Yale offensive lineman from South Africa. We've got um, a lot you know, the of kid, uh, when you, met, you mentioned some of these small school guys. The one guy that jumps out to me is the kid Keandre Harden from Pitt State. Yeah, I mean, yep. a lot of people may not know Pitt State, the Gorillas. Um, they're in Pittsburgh, Kansas, but they're one of the toughest non-D1 conferences in the country. I mean, there's Central Missouri, Northwest Missouri. There's some powerhouse schools in that conference, and Pitt State has always been one of them. Um, this is a kid that's been highly productive at, a, at, a, at like I said, a smaller school in a, in a dominant conference. I'm very interested to see how he handles it out there at the NFLPA because he's a good football player. Um, he's he's not a midget like a lot of the corners. When you get these corners out of the small school guys, they're five six, five seven. Um, this kid's got decent size. Somewhere he's probably going to measure between five eleven and six foot, maybe a little over six. Um, 
comes with that sort of tough attitude, plays the game the right way. I'm excited to see him. He's a kid I, I liked when I saw a few clips from Pitt State this year, and a buddy of mine who's on the staff there told me that this is a kid you got to keep an eye on because he's very, very talented. So I can't wait to get a peek at him out at the NFLPA. I'm excited. No, he's done very well there. He's also had some return game experience, which is going to bode well for him at the next level, and that's something he's done since the high school level is return kicks. And then, you know, he actually he began his career in Minnesota, uh, played the past two years at Pittsburgh State, but really had a productive season, as you mentioned, uh, four interceptions. He's like a weapon now with the ball in his hands when he gets a, a pick. Uh, you know, he's a threat to go the distance because of that return ability. So he's an exciting player to watch. Uh, 11 pass breakups are very active. Uh, great news for the football. Keontae Harden. And we haven't really uh, delved much into the secondary, Russ, uh, with some of these all-star invites. Julian uh, Blackman, I was watching the Pac-12 championship. I saw the injury right away. Said that didn't look good. Uh, we heard on the senior bowl announcement show now that he will not be playing in Mobile. Um, they had Terrell Burgess listed as a corner, uh, which was interesting because he played safety this past season. They also added Darnay Holmes from UCLA. But i, I got to be honest with you. You mentioned the small school guys, Russ. Every time I see a clip, it is Kyle Duggar, Duggar from Lenore Ryan. I mean, yep. <laughs> I get excited. What a man amongst boys. I mean, this is going to be maybe the most uh, anticipated player for me uh, in terms of exciting, uh, you know, wanting to see down in Mobile. Oh, there's no question. I mean, Lenore Rhyme, to get a kid from there that's good enough to really compete, yeah, he's going to be one of the more – I think he's going to be one of the guys that the NFL scouts really have their eyes on because these games a lot of the time – you know the kids that are coming from a West Virginia or Baylor. You just want to see how do they handle the fact that, hey, now I'm out of my comfort zone. But now when you get these small school kids, you've never even seen them match up with the athletes they're going to be at at these games. So a kid from Lenore Rhyme, the kid from Georgia Southern Rutledge, I mean, these are the types of kids you really want to get a feel for. How do they match up athletically? I'm excited to see them. And i got to tell you, we, we keep mentioning Nathan Rourke, um, and I, or at least I do because the kid's Canadian. But the thing that's interesting is, remember, a quarterback in the CFL, doesn't matter if he's Canadian or not, doesn't count as Canadian on the roster count. So it doesn't help. But you guys have another Canadian at your game, the J.J. Molson, the kicker from UCLA. This is a kid who's yeah. going to garner a lot of attention in Canada because he's a kicker who, obviously, in the CFL, most teams go with a kicker slash punter. He's going to be looked at as a guy that, as a Canadian, he could fill the role of kickoff guy, punter, and field goal guy if he has a good shows that he can do all three and he's Canadian so he takes up one of those uh, 21 roster spots that have to be Canadian so I'll be excited to see how he does out there does he show he can be a three a three phase guy as a kickoff field goal and punter or is he more of just one or the other that's what CFL teams really have to get a feel for yeah I had a chance to see JJ Molson uh, during my West Coast travels this past season and uh, I'm glad you brought him up, Russ, because he may he may also come along with a sponsorship. Um, I forget the yeah, relation. I want to say I, I want to say uh, his his grandparents are are the owners of the Molson Brewery. So yep, hey, he comes from a a famous family. There's no doubt. Canada, eh? <laughs> yeah, no so, doubt. Yep, bring him on in. Hey, he'll he'll be playing somewhere, uh, <laughs> whether it's 
north of the border, south of the border. He's got a boomerang. Uh, he's hit quite a few from 50 plus. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the, the special teams too, because we got to shine some love there. Um, you know, Alex Petson from Bucknell, a small school guy who earned an East-West Shrine game invite. Uh, he was a guy that really, you know, has been on my radar for a couple of years. Uh, Sterling Hoffertshire from Syracuse. Uh, I got the the hat tip, the heads up from Dino Babers out of uh, Media Day, and I kind of been keeping tabs on this kid. And boy, oh boy, uh, does he have a leg on him? And then you know we did a couple of uh, player spotlight interviews um, the last couple of weeks. West Virginia long snapper Rex Hunahara. Uh, he's an interesting special teams dynamo now because not only does he uh, long snap us, he plays all four special teams units. He's down there as a, uh, on a gunner. He's, led, he's actually led West Virginia in special teams tackles the last couple seasons. So he's, he's one of the bigger long snapper prospects we've seen in recent years. He's about 6'3", 255, I believe, and you don't really see that from long snappers. No, very rarely. Uh, you know, shine a little love on the on the special teams. And then uh, the Navy long snapper, you know, again, our salute to military. We've got representatives from Army, Air Force, and Navy. Uh, and last year we had a long snapper from Navy. I believe uh, the only long snapper selected in the NFL draft from a year ago. So um, I think that wraps it up on my end in terms of all-star selections from this past week. Anybody else you want to discuss, Russ, or should we transition into... No, those into... are the ones, man. Okay. Those, those, well, those are the guys, no doubt. Let's remind everybody they're tuned in to the Infectious Scouting Podcast with Russell Landy, Rick Saratella here. Russ, joining the Calgary Stampeders. Peters, if you're just tuning in, uh, top of the show, breaking news. He's in the mix now for the Montreal GM. We are full-fledged, supportive, and behind Russ. In Russ, we trust. I've been trying to tell you, folks, uh, Calgary in good hands. They made a smart decision. Now, who's going to make a smart decision this weekend, Russ, with their game preparation? We've got some close matchups. Clemson, Ohio State, um, and then also, you know, that actually, am I a week ahead? I think that's actually next weekend, but we have some bowl game matchups, but let's talk about that sneak peek preview, uh, Clemson, Ohio State, and then LSU, Oklahoma, uh, give us a little uh, preview, and um, that is going to be on the 28th, so that'll be two weeks away, but let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, I'm excited. I mean, both games. I'm excited to watch, but I really think that the Clemson-Ohio State game is really the um, the key to me because you talk about two elite defenses. I mean, wow. I mean, they are both loaded. It's amazing that Clemson is loaded considering the fact that they had what seems like 100 guys going last year's first round off their D-line. Um, so it's really exciting to see how well that defense gelled from the start of the season, they were solid, but it got better and better and better and better over the course of the year. Um, and Ohio State's a different offense. They're not a team where they're just going to drop back and throw it. Um, they, they do a lot of things out on the edge. They, they make their quarterback a dual-threat weapon. Um, I think that's going to be a, make sort of Clemson's athletic defense. It's going to make them move as opposed to being able to just attack forward. So I can't wait to see that matchup. Obviously, everybody wants to see Trevor Lawrence. How has he progressed? I think the second half of this year, he has really proven that, you know what, 
There were things early in the year that teams took away from me, made me do some things differently, but I have gotten better as the season has gone on, and I think he is starting to prove with that improvement that this is a kid who can learn and become a better player. And I think that's a key for next year when teams want to really start looking at him as an NFL guy is that this kid has gotten better throughout his career. Um, When I look at the LSU-Oklahoma, I mean, to me, when I watch this game, it's going to be so interesting to see can Jalen Hurts raise the level of the overall offense in order to be able to handle LSU, because LSU is just loaded everywhere. I mean, whether it's their offense with Burrow and Jefferson, um, and, and they, they just and, and the, the Sierra Lemaire, Le or however you want to pronounce the last name of that running back, um, they are so tough to beat and slow down their offense. But the problem is their defense is also dominant, and that to me is going to be the big question because Hurts can't be inconsistent in this game. He's got to be consistent from the get-go. He can't afford any mistakes. This is a huge game for Hertz in terms of showing what he can do against top talent to really put not so much a bow on his career, but I think prove to NFL teams, hey, when I'm not the best athlete on the field, here's what I can do as a quarterback. Because in many games, he's been the best athlete on the field, so he's been able to get away with certain things and prove athletically he's special. Now we have to see him do some things throwing the ball. Excited to see how he does. I think it's going to be a tough matchup for Oklahoma. I actually think LSU may blow them out, but it is going to be a really good game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do against uh, uh, not just an SEC defense, but probably the best SEC defense. And I know, you know, C.D. Lamb will make his fair share of plays, but uh, that Christian Fulton, that was another senior ball at the LSU cornerback. Uh, Him now matched up against C.D. Lamb. That is going to be an interesting matchup. And and, and you mentioned the uh, Clemson – quarterback and their defense it's kind of like the tale of two halves right while they played good the first half i mean they have played lights out uh the second half especially these last four or five six games i think it took time all those new pieces on the defense to kind of gel together uh now you're seeing all of that talent that was kind of you know, stat, you know the, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, they have talent stacked on top of talent on top of talent. Now we're seeing that team start to gel and get hot at the right time. I hate to say, the one team I would not want to play out of the four of them, Russ, is Clemson. And, and, and I'll tell you what, if it's Clemson LSU, I think that is going to be really a, a, a delight to watch. Oh, my gosh, it'll be unbelievable. I mean, Two elite quarterbacks, a ton of defensive linemen who are going to be starting in the NFL in the next two or three years. Um, Players on the back end in the secondary, whether it's the Fulton kid you mentioned, Grant Delpit, or even the Stingley kid who's a true freshman for LSU. It is remarkable the amount of talent on both sides of the ball, especially defensive for both teams. It's incredible. Um, it'll be, if, if it ends up being LSU-Clemson for the title, it'll be a great matchup. And i got to mention, the one game this weekend I'm sort of looking forward to seeing is the Boise State-Washington. Because even though when I look at, at the Easton kid at Washington who has another year, which I think he'll probably be wise and stay for that extra year, he, to me, may be the most polarizing player. And I think it's polarizing for everybody because I think if you just look at the pure talent, He's a freak. But when you look at the consistency of production, it's egregious. 
and you don't know why. And that's why this would be a good matchup for him. Boise State is a very well-coached team. This is going to be a challenge for him. Finish your, your, your career off. This is a big game. I'm looking forward to see it. I shouldn't say finish your career. Finish your season and really make it a springboard for next year where I believe he'll return, and he has a chance next year to really put himself on the stage to be a first-round pick if he can get rid of some of the inconsistencies. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Russ, and riddle me this. You know, and first off, I will say Boise State, a well-coached team, 12-1 and on the season, uh, arguably his biggest test. But, hey, if I'm Jacob Eason and I'm watching, I'm tuning in Friday Night Lights, I'm watching, uh, uh, what is it, the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. What a joke. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm watching Jordan Love play in this game against Kent State, and I'm saying to myself, hey, um, you know, they're talking about this guy as a potential first-round pick. If I'm uh, Jacob Eason, I'm watching that game Friday, and then suddenly, let's say he lights up the scoreboard. We all know the NFL turns their attention to these bowl games. The teams like the Redskins and the Dolphins, the Giants and the Jets, they're paying close attention to these ball games now. What if Eason goes and lights it up on Saturday? Uh, we've got two quarterbacks here who, you know, one has already declared, and I think Eason, I don't think he's, he's even sure what he's going to do yet. But I'm telling you this, I think he could be watching Love on Friday and asking himself, am I better than this guy? And maybe wind up declaring anyway. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very intriguing thing to see what happens there. Um, I mean, Eason is an immensely gifted quarterback. Um, when he does things right, and I think we've talked about this before, that if you take his top 20 or 30 plays from this year, they're on par with anybody else in the country. Um, it's the inconsistency. Um, and you know as well as I do, you followed the draft and covered it as a, like a maniac for the past 20 years. When NFL teams get into the nitty-gritty and they start going to workouts, and you see a kid with Easton's physical talent throw the ball, that's where you have to watch out because the it, 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 it's, it's those guys that get coaches excited, that get coaches starting to say, I can fix this, I can fix that. He's better than these other more accomplished quarterbacks because he has more physical talent. And all of a sudden, he could be a guy that comes out as a guy that's viewed as a second or third or fourth rounder, and all of a sudden he starts working out, and all of a sudden he ends up in the top ten because he is such a freak talent that you can't coach that rare talent. You tuned in. Russell Landy, Rick Saratella here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. One last note. You mentioned that quarterback matchup, uh, LSU and Clemson, the potential championship game. That matchup, uh, Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrow, I mean, that could become a rivalry for years to come at the next level in the NFL even. And this could be a sneak peek preview of that. Oh, there's no question it could be. It could be a, a, a tremendous sort of sneak peek, sort of like people in the NFL are looking at like Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. That's what this could be. I mean, you could be talking about two elite quarterbacks, different quarterbacks in terms of Burrow, maybe not with the pure, rare physical tools like arm strength and size um, that Lawrence has, but they're both so good. They're both so savvy. And, and when I watch Burrow, there's just something about him. He's got that it um, that enables him to make plays when you think he's sort of down for the count. He sort of steps up and, and does something remarkable. Um, 
I think overall you have to be excited about what the future of that matchup is. And I just can't wait to watch these guys. I mean, as we get in to see them in the pros, they're both so talented. And we are recording here December 18th, 2019, just going through some notes here that's popped up. Mecky, Becton, the Louisville offensive tackle will enter the draft. He will not play in the Music City Bowl. We also have uh, the Stanford offensive lineman, uh, Walker Little, has announced he will return to Stanford, and we talked about his injury here on the podcast on, on several occasions, and we addressed the whole uh, player sitting out. If you, you know, if you didn't catch last week's episode, uh, Russ, you know, shed some light on, you know, why players sit out and is it a good decision, what it means. Um, so we're getting a lot of these announcements um, here this time of year. And, you know, moving on from uh, the college and transitioning to one thing I, I saw this morning, Russ, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it because it, it, it blew my mind, quite frankly. And I was curious to get your perspective, but there was a report this morning that the Giants, New York Giants, football Giants, they had over uh, $33 million in dead cap space. Uh, just players that they parted away with, didn't want from the team. And we've heard uh, the general manager there, uh, David Gettleman, preach culture. They want to change the culture. And whether that means weeding out uh, the Janaris Jenkins, the uh, JPTs, the Odell Beckhams, the Snack Harrisons, uh, the Olivia Vernon, the uh, list goes on and on. That was a single-season NFL all-time record for dead cap money. $33 million, I mean, that's almost a quarter of your payroll that you're paying players to not be here. Something doesn't add up. Well, I think it's two things. Firstly, dead cap is always a dangerous thing because that's literally money you're paying people that aren't in your building anymore. It's just eating up your team. Now, some teams, when they're bad, they will try to take all the hits right away rather than spread the hits out. So I understand that that's going to happen, and some of this is due to that. But at the same time, it's never a good sign when, I mean, if you remember before the season started, the people at the Giants, when you heard them publicly speak, there was talk of, hey, we think we've done a lot of good things. We think this team is going to be a playoff contender, and we're hoping that in time we're going to not only compete for the playoffs this year, but now that we drafted Daniel Jones, we've got the next quarterback to take over when Eli's done. Well, if you're saying you are a contender for the playoffs, how are you a contender for the playoffs, yet you're burning 30-something million in dead space? So don't get me wrong. Teams have done it in the past through a variety of bad breaks happening and things like that. But in general, teams that have strong salary cap management and aren't afraid of saying, you know what, let's figure out a way to extend some guys. Let's not blow things out. They don't end up in these spots. I think the problem the Giants have had is there's some dead weight in terms of players that they feel, and I don't mean dead weight like they're not, they can't contribute to a team, but in terms of what they feel the team needs structurally, character-wise, all of that for the long-term future of the organization, I think they look at it and say, hey, there's some guys that we just don't feel fit that mold. And that was last year and this year. I think they saw that with certain players. 
and they decided to move on from those players. Well, when you make that decision, while I commend you for doing it, because I think it's important to build the culture and do it the right way, I think one of the problems you run into is you do end up beating your dead cap space. Now, the good thing for the Giants is moving forward, they, they, whether Eli's there next year or not, Daniel Jones is the man, and they got three more years at a very low cap rate, so they can afford a little dead money because he's not going to cost much. So they can rebuild with Jones playing on a cheap contract, get the cap straightened out, and really start to build this franchise back to what we all know the Giants were for many years, which is sort of one of the model franchises of the league that consistently won games, was consistently in the playoffs, and going to the Super Bowls. So it's a bad thing, but I don't think it's the end of the world, and part of that is because of Daniel Jones. If he's the starter next year, you're talking about him being the starter with a low-cap dollar. That low-cap amount offsets some of that dead space. doesn't make it as catastrophic. Russ, let me ask you this. If I'm Gettleman or even the new GM who comes in, they're looking like you know, they're going to have one of the top three picks again. I'm sorry, but if Joe Burrow is on the board, and I know you just used the sixth overall pick on Daniel Jones, but, I mean, when I evaluate these guys side by side, Burrow is an elite quarterback prospect. Daniel Jones, I mean, 21 turnovers or whatever it is, nine starts, that's not getting the job done for me. I mean, if I'm if I'm on the clock and I, and I pass up Joe Burrow, I don't think I could sleep that night. You know, it's, it's a tough situation because if they had taken Jones in the latter first round or second round, you could see saying, hey, that was the best we could get last year. We, we couldn't really do much else. We, we took the best quarterback that was still on the board. But they, they, they went and got this. They, they went and, I think, said Jones is a franchise guy. We took him number six overall. We think this guy's going to be a superstar in the NFL. Can you do it? I mean, Arizona just did it going from Rosen to Kyler Murray, and I understand that it's doable, but you have to be very cautious because, I mean, trust me, I get it. I was not a huge Daniel Jones fan. But if you feel that comfortable dumping the guy that you took at six overall, then what were you doing? What were you evaluating that you took him at six overall? Just like I look at Arizona and say, what were you evaluating when you took Rosen 10th overall? And now a year later, you're allowed to blow him out, and it no one no one is affected. You just move on. So I understand what you're saying. I do, but to me, unless you as an organization have seen this year and you believe that you know what we were wrong on Jones, which you never want to do that after a rookie year. I mean, how many quarterbacks have struggled as rookies and then grown into good quarterbacks? But if you've evaluated the film and you've also evaluated how you feel he is in the locker room, how you feel he is as a leader in terms of his learning and how he's going to adjust, and you have made the decision that you don't think he is a, an elite quarterback prospect any longer, then, yes, you can consider another quarterback. But I'd be very surprised if A, Gettleman is not there after this year. Um, he's a longtime Giants guy who went down to Carolina for eight or nine years, but he was with the Giants for almost 20 years before that. I don't think they're going to move on from Dave, and I think Dave is going to say, hey, we like Jones enough to take him. We felt this kid could develop into a quality starter. Let's take an elite guy with this pick. Let's continue to develop Jones, and let's go get some more talent around him so that Jones can play up and be the player we thought he would be when we took him at six overall. 
And say what you want, last point, about the Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury thing. But, hey, guess what? They've got four wins. That's more than New York football Giants. Hey, it's the Inspection Scouting Podcast. Rick Saratella, Russ Landy here, breaking it down. Uh, we've been chatting it up each and every week like we have all season long. Counting down to the 2020 NFL Draft in Las Vegas. We are brought to you by SportsManagementWorldwide.com. Check out Russ's football GM and scouting course over there. Uh, what's the status moving forward now with the full football GM and scouting course, Russ? Will that still be continuing as frequently? And give us a little update on that. We will be going just the same every week. Um, two chats, one with myself, one with Mark Dominic and John Wooten. Um, we're nearing the end of our most recent eight-week course, and, and really, it's, it's sort of an intro to scouting. What does what is it like to work in an organization? What is the scout's real job? What do they do on an everyday basis? <laughs> then you sort of figure out: Is this a profession I really want to be in? Do I believe I have the skills to really succeed in this? So, it, it's it's an intro course. You're not going to come out of this course and be like, "Yep, I finished the eight-week course." I'm ready to become uh, 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 an NFL scout. No, that's not going to happen. When you finish the course, you will have learned enough to where you'll know how to appropriately try to get your foot in the door somewhere in college football, arena league, Canadian league, any of those. Um, and then it's just a, mattering, a matter of developing in terms of as a scout. But what the class does is it really just sort of offers an insight so that anybody that's considering this as sort of a – career change or beginning of a career if they're young can really get a feel for is this something I really feel I want to do in terms of career because it is not for everybody and you know this as well as I Rick you've probably bumped into a lot of people who thought they wanted to do this and then they sat down and watched the film and had to do the grinding and they said this is not (laughs) what I want to be doing this is not what I envision as fun and they walk away from it so it's a great sort of intro and a look so you can Figure out, is this a career for you? And if it is, here is how you can go about trying to get a foot in the door in the business. And as you know, you could have two decades of experience and still, you know, go a year without being involved in football. So it's a tough thing to do. And I know plenty of scouts who have worked decades in the league and are currently unemployed. So there's that part of the industry too. And uh, Russ is a testament of it because it was just a matter of time before he got picked up here. And we knew somebody was going to make a smart decision and add him to the staff. And now the Calgary Stampeders have aligned themselves to bring home some more great cups. Unless, however, Montreal winds up them. Go check out the Montreal Gazette. The uh, article mentioning Russ is uh, in the mix for the GM job. Breaking the news here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. Hey, Russ, I think with that, we'll wrap up today's show. Anything else you want to get off your chest for today? No, you know, I'm really, I mean, it's, the, the opportunity to be a part of Calgary is so exciting. Um, I'm, I'm so thrilled beyond belief to be a part of the organization. I also want to mention that um, while the opportunity to go to Montreal as their GM would be a, a dream come true because everybody that works in this business dreams of becoming a GM and there's only 41 GM, GM opportunities in professional football in the world. Um, being a part of Calgary is unbelievable. I can't believe that the, 
they were generous enough to, to, to make me an offer to be a part of their team. And I also want to congratulate Eric Delorier, my uh, former co-worker over there with the Alouettes. And while they're still trying to figure things out and, and determine who is going to be their new GM, um, they announced today that he is going to be the director of football operations. Um, Eric is uh, only four or five years out of his playing career. Um, but during the three years we worked together, he proved he's a rising star in this business. He's going to be a GM in the CFL within the next five years. And I think he's one of those rare guys from the CFL. I think eventually he may get a chance as a GM in the NFL because he's got that hit, that leadership that very few people have in the business. And I think he's a special guy. I'm excited to see him not only blossom this new role with the Alouettes, but just to see his career take off over the next 10 years. Well, great stuff, and you know we're looking forward to uh, watching you progress and, and build a championship team, Russ. And, of course, we thank you each and every week for joining us on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. Hey, let's come back and do it again next week. We'll talk about some of the bowl games that transpire over the weekend. We'll take a look ahead at some of the uh, other big bowl game matchups. And, hey, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, make sure you like it, subscribe it, leave us a review, drop us a line. We appreciate all the love and support. Count me down here to the 2020 NFL Draft in Las Vegas just five months away. Till the next time, everybody. Once it gets into your stream, there's no vaccine. You've got the sickness, too. Thanks for listening to the Infectious Scouting Podcast.